Happy Friday, people. We are finishing up Fantasy Week 9. We are moving Chase Anderson into our top 100. Ooh. But not not all that much higher, I guess. And we're talking trade on Fantasy Baseball today. Also going to help you set your lineups for Fantasy Week 10. Adam Azer, Scott White, Heath Cummings. What's up, people? How we doing? Doing great, Adam. Doing so very good. All right. All right. I, uh, I, I hit my chair as I said, what's up, people? And I hurt my hand just now. So, uh. You don't care what's up with me, I guess? Because I, I tried to tell you and you just started talking. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear you, Heath. Uh, what's up with you? I'm fantastic. That's Adam. great. So That's really be. wonderful. Thank you. So, uh, let's talk true. Let's talk trade. I do want to start the show with some buy low, sell high. How are you guys feeling about that? Are you prepared for that? No. That's true. okay. True. True? I thought it was buy, sell. <laughs> uh Do you remember the email I sent you guys at... Asking us if we could come up with a couple of buy, low, sell highs? I do remember that. 1.44 p.m. Hey, guys, I really want to do buy, low, sell high tomorrow. Please have two of each. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I always do this. Okay. Like, I, I'm renowned. Renowned? Yeah, renowned. For um, my preparation, and I am fully prepared. Hit me with it. Give me buy lows or sell highs. I'm buying low on Danny Salazar, who okay. is dirt cheap, yeah. almost free. And <laughs> so why not go take a chance on him? I look dumb on my Danny Salazar is going to become an ace, but that doesn't mean that Danny Salazar is going to be a bullpen arm now. He's still a top 40 pitcher, even for people that hate his guts, like Scott White. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Danny Salazar, still a ton of upside. I'm buying low on him. Is it too obvious? Do, we, do we need to stop saying sell high on Dil- Dylan Bundy? No. Okay, sell high on Dylan Bundy. All right. Well, that's pretty good, Heath. How about you, Scott? Can you match Heath Cummings' preparation, his renowned preparation? Sure. All right. Do you want you want two by lows? Yeah. Jose Quintana. Uh huh. Carlos Santana. Love it. Love the Carlos Santana. This is when Carlos Santana starts heating up. What are you seeing, Scott? That makes you say buy low on Carlos Santana. It's more what I'm not seeing. And what I'm not seeing is reason to believe he's a worse player. Just seems like a slow start. Yep. And uh, he's exactly the same player he always is. And and that player is basically a must-start option. I And you know, the fact he's dual eligible now, I mean, pretty much everybody can find a place to play him. I've never stopped starting him. So, yeah, I would definitely agree on Carlos Santana. I'm – I just don't like – I'm okay with buying low on Jose Quintana if the price is as cheap as Danny Salazar is right now, but it's got to be cheap. Think, I don't think it would be that cheap. He's still he's still in my top twenty-five starting pitchers. Like, he, I, he's not I don't doing see, what did. I don't see much reason to believe he's a different pitcher either. I just think it's a simple matter of he's not as sharp with his command. But that's, well, he's been a different every, pitcher so far. Every pitcher goes through stretches like that, and I I think I think it looks worse because it's the start of the year. And it has gone on a little longer, maybe, than it would for other pitchers. But there have been four starts among the 11 that were just flat-out dominant. I offered my Eduardo Rodriguez for Masahiro Tanaka yesterday. That one hasn't been rejected yet. I'm sure it will be. That was before Rodriguez gave up seven runs and four homers. Uh, I tried to buy low on Manny Machado. I know I said we were going to talk about Manny Machado, and we didn't. But is there anything you're seeing with Manny Machado that makes you think he is not a great buy low candidate, and that he might be a worse player this year. No, I, I put out my trade chart on Wednesday, and somebody asked, you've still got Manny Machado in your top 10. What are you talking about? How could he not be? He's got a 40% hard contact rate and like a 220 BAPIP. He's still one of the best hitters in baseball. He's going to have, to, to quote the great Adam Azer, he's going to have a, a, a month that just makes up for most of this. <laughs> That's right. And... Like, as bad as everything has been, he's still on a 30-homer pace. Yeah, and he's chasing a lot of pitches right now, Manny Machado. That's why the strikeouts are up. He's going out of the zone. He's pressing. Uh, it seems there's pretty obvious evidence. of you. There's a story on CBSSports.com right now from, I think, Mike Exisa talking about what what's going on with Manny Machado. So 
yeah, I, I have a feeling most people aren't going to be willing to give up Manny Machado because they're going to feel exactly how we feel. But you know, give it a shot, see what you can do, see what you, I I offered. I I got rejected. I offered uh, Rizzo and a couple other pieces for Manny Machado and Matt Carpenter yesterday. That of course got rejected. So I might just come back with um, maybe a Rizzo for Machado trade, which I think is fairly even. But just given how how shallow shortstop is, how deep first base is, I think I think it's worth doing. Was the piece about Machado saying that this this chasing pitches outside of the zone was like a, a new thing over the last few weeks? I maybe even a few days. Okay, because I was gonna say for the season, his swing per strike per, his swing uh-huh. percentage outside of the strike zone is essentially right at his career mark and lower than he was last year. Yeah, it's very recent. He's been King a lot like the last four games or so. Maybe pressing a little. Yes, exactly. Um, okay, anything else, Scott White? You want to want to discuss any other? You gave us some buy lows. Any sell highs for you? Oh, I'm not as fond of selling as I am buying, but I, I mean, I'm I'm still. The longer this goes on, the more you can sell him for. And I'm I'm going to stick stick with the idea that Irvin Santana isn't legitimately a top ten fantasy pitcher, or even a top twenty fantasy pitcher. And you could probably sell him like an ace right now. I mean, one third of the way through the season, uh, this is it. Peripherally, this looks like it's going to come back to bite him in the long run. So yeah, he's a sell high, Santana. And um, let's see, anyone else? Uh, I would still say Miguel Sano is a sell high. What? Yeah, yeah, because so much like. With the strike, like he's on pace to set a record for strikeouts, right? And nobody's ever hit, no, no player with just a mere 200 strikeouts in a season has hit better than 262, I think it was. Chris Davis did it a couple years ago. Uh, so the fact that he's batting like 300 when he's on pace for 250 strikeouts, the math just isn't, isn't going to end well for him there. Like I, I agree completely that he's not going to hit 300. I do think with, I mean, his approach is an extreme to which we've never seen before. We've seen guys that strike out a lot and guys that hit the ball really hard. We've never seen anyone strike out this much and hit the ball as hard as he's hitting it right now. Um, and he's also got a 16% walk rate, which is pretty elite in itself. Like, do I think he's going to be a thousand OPS guy for the rest of the year? Probably not. But I wouldn't bet on him being below 900. So if you sell high, you've got to sell really high. Oh, you should sell high. Like that—that's—that's that's the whole idea. But I'm just it, trying. Like this, what's like every time we talk about this exercise, like it's worth reminding people because you know they hear like putting putting the sell high label on a player is like you know condemning him to death and destruction, but. Really, it, the emphasis is on the high, not on the sell. So you would sell him for Michael Conforto? No. No? I haven't ranked ahead of Conforto. Okay. Um, Trey Turner? I don't know that it would take a singular player. Uh, you know, I'm just trying was, to get like... Cause, unless it was a first... Like I'd sell him for Anthony Rizzo. Right. I've got um, him as a top 10 outfielder. So, okay. in Roto, which I think will be... So far, he's been pretty good in points as well because... He's just been amazing, but I think in the end he'll rank higher in Roto. This is Sano we're talking about, Miguel Sano, who, by the way, leads baseball in both BABIP and exit vo- average exit velocity, according to StatCast. But his his BABIP is 456. The second highest BABIP is Aaron Judge at 404. And mm-hmm. Judge Judge is hitting 326. So, okay, yeah, like he's, he's going to drop in batting average. But Sano is only hitting 297 with a 456 BABIP. So... Like, what does yeah, that mean to you? Like, is he going to hit 250? As hard as he's hitting the ball, and he, he does have the highest exit velocity of any player in baseball, he's he's going to be a high BABIP guy. But 456? No. I mean, what does a 380 BABIP translate to in terms of batting average? What does a 360 BABIP translate to in terms of batting average? I think he's going to hit a – he had a 396 BABIP in 2015 and hit to basically 270. So 260? Okay, I'm thinking more like 240, but it, certainly if his BABIP drops all the way down to 330, then it, that's like last year he was 329 and 236. All right. Well, look, I'd love to contribute to this conversation, but l- lately 
when I've been contributing to buy low, sell high, I've said stuff like, I definitely want to buy low on Masahiro Tanaka. He's an amazing buy low candidate. And I've also said stuff like, oh, I want to sell high on Jake Lamb and Corey Dickerson. They can't possibly keep this up. So I don't really think anybody should listen to me anymore. Um, I think I'm probably just, this is going to be my last show. Uh, cause I've been so embarrassed by, uh, like what, like what's wrong with those calls? Those, those should have been good calls. And that's the other thing. If you do sell someone, you're not, like, it's not like the day you sell them, the production's gonna go down. You, you gotta think long term here. And yeah. I still think that Lamb, like it's, I meant to look this up. It's hard to be so bad against lefties and be an elite fantasy player. Like the, I don't know. Shinsu Chu comes to mind. He had an amazing season. It was a lot of OBP, but he couldn't really hit lefties. But still with Jake Lamb, I just feel like eventually the struggles against lefties are going to catch up to him. Um, but if you sell, it better be high on, on Jake Lamb. Plus, we had that update on the humidor, which is like, what, six weeks away or something like that in Arizona. Yeah. Well, look, what you said um, about the day that you make the trade, it's not like everything's going to turn around. I, I, I don't think you're wrong that Corey Dickerson's a sell high and Masahiro Tanaka's a buy low. Um, you know, if you bought low on Tanaka two weeks ago, you got one brilliant start out of it, at least. So, uh, and yeah, I, I think there's more correction to come. Dickerson, I mean, this is a perfect example of what I was saying in terms of the emphasis being on sell high or buy low. We traded for Dickerson just the other day in a league, but we traded Mitch Hanniger, who's played, what, three weeks and has little track record to back him up. I mean, not any, not any more than Dickerson, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, we traded him and, uh, Felipe, Felipe Rivero for Dickerson. So I don't, I don't think we paid for the production in that case. And, and that's, that's why. Like, it, it's not like this player is poisonous and you need to get him off your roster stat. Right. Like, Dickerson's a good player, but he's not quite this good. So if you can fully cash in on the production, then you really don't stand to lose anything. So let me ask you if this stat means anything to you as we talk about lefty-righty splits. Michael Conforto, who's slumping right now, but, you know, whatever. Batting 167 his last seven games. Um the Mets have faced two left-handed starters since April 23rd. So that's, that's that, what's that Heath doesn't mean anything to you? That's not a lot. No, it's not a lot at all. It's it's nothing. So that's the thing like maybe there are they have the fourth fewest at bats against lefties in baseball. Maybe there are more lefties coming up or maybe not somebody's got to be last against lefties, you know? Maybe it's going to be the Mets. Maybe they'll be bottom 5. Um but you know, I'm just saying Conforto has done a lot of damage. It's almost exclusively been against righties. He actually has good numbers against lefties and only 23 at bats. Like, did, do you look at lefty righty splits and, and how many at bats someone's fa- had against lefties or, you know, or righties, uh, and evaluate buy low, sell high? We feel, we really only do this for the most part with young left-handed hitters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which makes sense because we never worry about righties being able to hit righties because they've faced righties their whole life. Yeah. If they can't hit righties, they're probably not <laughs> making it to the majors. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really want to sell high on Conforto. I just thought that was interesting. Two left-handed starters since April twenty-third. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I think, I do think, like, I'm not sure there's a lot of lefties in that division. There's not a lot of lefties in baseball right now. I was looking at this last week when I uh, was putting together the five best hitter, five worst hitter matchups that's in um, the top ten sleeper hitters article every week. And there was eight teams who, at least going into this week, were scheduled to face zero left-handed pitchers. Like, I don't know if there's just been a rash of injuries among left-handed starters. Obviously, Bumgarner, Hamels, Paxton, Keichel was hurt at the time. Like, I can come up with a few names off the top of my head. But, like, it just seems like right now there's... Not as many left-handers as we're used to seeing starting. Mm. Yeah, you know, Heath, you make a good point about the division. I didn't even think about this, but the four teams with the fewest at-bats against lefties in baseball are three of them are in the NL East, Atlanta, Washington, Boston, and the Mets. So maybe Conforto really won't face a lot of lefties this year. I think he could – well, I don't think he will because he'll probably get days off when they're facing tough lefties. Oh, I I don't know. They better not <laughs> their best player. Yeah, I don't know about that. But. He's, I mean, he's not their best hitter when they're facing a left-handed pitcher. 
Right, but it's would be. still hard to justify sitting your best player. Yeah. All right, guys, let's move on. Let's talk about. Oh, oh, uh, I know this wouldn't happen in any of our leagues. I don't think any of us really buy him. But just based on ownership percentage alone, Antonio Senzatella is eighty six percent owned. I think that maybe makes him a sell high candidate. What do you think, Antonio Senzatella? Oh yeah, yeah. I can't. Like, I don't even think of him as being worth rostering. So. <laughs> But if he's that, if he's that rostered, then sure, trade him for whatever you can get. I mean, I just moved Chase Anderson into my top 100, so I'm not going to pick on whether he's rosterable too much. But, um. I don't follow your logic there. I do don't you? know that, like, you, you think Chase Anderson's a lot better than Antonio Sensatella? Uh, no. But I'd rather have him than Sensatella. Like, it, I, it, it would depend totally on who they're facing and where they're facing them next week. I don't me. know that it would. For me. Okay. I actually am going to try to, while we're on the air, look into some some one-start pitchers with good matchups. I ran out of time this morning, but one guy I did get was uh, Patrick Corbin for next week. Just next week alone, he has San Diego. It is at home, but he's faced San Diego twice this year, Patrick Corbin, and he's delivered two really good starts, one in San Diego, one at home in Arizona. So that's something that I think, you know, with pitching the way it is, trying to stream one-start pitchers, is something that you might want to consider. Ian Kennedy and Eric Skoglund are both at San Diego next week. Um, so I'm going to try to look at teams that are facing the Padres, the Royals, the Giants, the A's, the Phillies, and the Braves. Um, so give me, so bear with me on that. Let's look at Thursday's standouts. Hit me with it, guys. Who stood out to you? I was doing preparation for videos this morning, and I thought, man, there was not very much that happened on Thursday. I mean, there were some pitching performances, but there were... There were a lot of low-scoring games for, with the pitching performances coming from pitchers that I'm not necessarily excited about. Um, but Wainwright, what about Wainwright? That's exactly who I was going to say. Hey, <laughs> because we've poo-pooed Adam Wainwright a lot on this show, and he had six shutout innings, and he hit a home run, and his ERA is below four, and he at least needs to be elevated above. Guys like Sinzatella and Chase Anderson and that crap fest at the end of the top 100. Man, he's really, I, I watched some of that start. He's changing speeds. I'll give him that. Wainwright's throwing like 75 mile per hour big Bugs Bunny curveballs. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw like 92, I think, with the fastball. He's still not a hard thrower. But he, he had a really good two month stretch last year, Adam Wainwright. Like his first two months were terrible. His second two months, he had a 267 ERA, and his last two months, 554 ERA. I, yeah, and, and he's 88% owned, so it's not like I can even go out and pick him up, but I'm not, I'm just not sure I would. I, I don't know, like, I, I'm not feeling it. I wouldn't feel confident starting Adam Wainwright, put it that way. Yeah. I mean, he's back to being usable. That's as much as I'm willing to say for him, because, I mean, I have him in a 24 team league, and I was to the point where I was sitting him there. So I've missed out on all the good starts, of course. <laughs> Gotten not leave it bad. But, uh, there, he had, there does, there, there is kind of an explanation for it that at least the one that the Cardinals are saying is that he more or less ditched a cutter that he added to his arsenal the last couple years and, and didn't, didn't do so well for him, obviously. Now, if you look on Brooks Baseball, it still shows him throwing a cutter last four starts. I wonder if just slower fastballs are getting confused as cutters. I don't know, because it doesn't match up with what the Cardinals are saying. So, yeah, very, very thin, uh, ex- explanation there. Um, do you want to, do you want to get into Chase Anderson more? Yeah. Yeah. Mentioned it. 56% owned, seven scoreless innings with seven strikeouts at the Mets. His previous start, Chase Anderson threw seven scoreless innings with 11 strikeouts against yeah. the Diamondbacks. Uh, so really good two-start stretch for Anderson, who is 56% owned. Big difference between these two starts, though. Even though the result was similar, I don't know if it was just you know Chase Anderson having come up through the Diamondbacks organization, facing his old team, uh, brought something out of him emotionally, but he was throwing like two miles per hour harder <laughs> than he usually throws against the Diamondbacks. In a way that seemed legit and not just like, you know, some of the radar gun weirdness we've seen across the majors this year. And he was a different pitcher. He was throwing much harder against the Diamondbacks in recording those 11 strikeouts and got 19 swinging strikes in that contest. Velocity was back to normal against the Mets yesterday. And even though he had seven strikeouts, he had only six 
swinging strikes. So I don't know that that's something I, I, to build off of, really. I don't, I don't know that this is really a trend as opposed to one start that was very exciting and one start where the results just looked good. So Wainwright or, or Anderson? Wainwright. Okay. Um, I might gamble on Anderson, even though I don't really believe in it. We're we're talking about pitchers in my eighty to ninety in the eighty to ninety range of my SP rankings. So Anderson, I, I will look and see if he's a two start pitcher. But at the very least, Chase Anderson has the Giants next week. They're one of the worst lineups in baseball. So this is the type of one start pitcher. It's in Milwaukee. Uh. But, but it's the Giants. <laughs> yeah, I. I like I do think the Giants are um, below average offensively. I also think their offensive numbers get drugged down by the park they're in. And so they're going from one of the worst hitter parks in all of baseball where they play half their games to the second best. Okay. I mean, if Brandon Belt played at Miller Park, he'd be a 35 homer guy. All right. Well, let me see if Chase Anderson's a two-star pitcher. He is. Giants at home, Diamondbacks on the road. Who Diamondbacks just yeah. struck out eleven? And he's angry. You won't <laughs> like him when he's angry. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's going to make the two start sleeper cutoff, but yeah, I, I'd be nervous about both starts. I would too, but I think coming off these last two, even though this last one was kind of smoke and mirrors, I think that's probably one of the more appealing two start options you'll find on the waiver wire. All right, guys, so I have a ton of emails that I want to get to. I'm pretty determined to get to them, so we're going to do something a little different. Let's go through everything else fairly quickly today. I also have to tell you about Indochino. Look, I know it's not every day you're buying a suit, but eventually it's going to happen. You're going to need to look great. You're going to need to feel great for a wedding, a meeting, a job interview, whatever it is. And when that time comes, please use Indochino.com, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, or go to an Indochino location. You'll get a custom made-to-measure suit for just $379. That's 50% off. Use our promo code FBT at checkout on Indochino.com for 50% off the best suit you'll ever buy. That's awesome. Free shipping, by the way, as well. I was actually looking at a picture from a few years ago, and I'm wearing a generic suit. It's a fine suit, but now I know it's just not good enough. Like, we're adults. We're grown-ups. We have to look good. We have to look important. My Indochino suit, it's so much better. It fits me just beautifully. It's a very worthwhile investment. You're going to see what I'm talking about. Go to Indochino.com, customize your suit, submit your measurements, use our promo code FBT, any premium suit for $379 with free shipping. The promo code is FBT. Corey Kluber was outstanding yesterday. Anything to say about him? Ten strikeouts. The A's, of course, they strike out against Tanaka. They strike out against Bauer. And Kluber just destroyed them with that curveball yesterday. Uh, anything there? Baby! He's back? All right. Kluber, I, n- I never took him out of my top five since it looked like it was just going to be a short stay on the DL. I n- never, never lost confidence in... A guy who's nearly won two Cy Young Awards in three years. I I did drop him out of my top five because he's on the disabled list, but he is back to fourth. Yeah, well, he's he missed a month, you know, it was longer right. than we expected. It was longer than we expected, but every week that went by, it was like, well, now am I going to drop him? No, in your rankings, not from your yeah. Sa- save right. yourself in a few rankings. <laughs> uh, news and notes: Nelson Cruz left after being hit by a pitch on the hand. Gene Segura left with an ankle injury, which appeared a little bit more serious than the Cruz injury. So we'll find out if the Seahawks, uh, Seahawks, no, the Mariners. Well, we'll find out if Seattle fans can just start uh, rooting for the Seahawks because the Mariners season will be over if Cruz and Segura are out for extended periods. Um, I think it was Wilmer Flores who was going to catch that foul ball. The Mets ball boy, guys, that was a really like piss poor effort to get out of the way. <laughs> I, didn't I didn't see it. it. You didn't see it? Hey, no. He ran right into him. Get out of the freaking way. Come on. Oh, that ball boy is cut. No, look, he, he probably tried. I think he probably lost sight of it, didn't really see where it was, and he just ran, I believe it was Flores, ran right into him. Man, uh, first Mr. Met, now the ball boy. Tough day. But you know what? They got a double play like on the next pitch, so everything worked out. Uh, they met, the twins turned a triple play. That was cool. Adonis Garcia is set to come off the DL, Braves third baseman, you know, whatever. Bud Norris, he didn't, he did end up pitching, but they did not use him for the save yesterday because he has a minor knee injury. Meanwhile, Houston Street had a little setback. He has some tricep tightness. And, Cam- 
Yeah, Cam Bedrosian, 55% owned, expected to come off the DL next week. Could he be the closer? We we don't know, right? He could be. I'd still bet on Norris. All right. Uh, Corey Knable, Evil, Evil Knable, Knable, he has struck out a batter in 27, in all 27 games this year. The third longest streak since 1900 by a reliever. Uh, Aroldis Chapman has the record with both 37 and 29 straight to start a season with a strikeout. This is according to the Elias Sports Bureau. And, uh, Knable, he has 46 strikeouts and 26 innings. This is thanks to the AP and, uh, the Elias Sports Bureau. So, good job, Corey Knable. Mm-hmm. Texas DFA'd Sam Dyson. Cameron Mabin is on the DL with an oblique muscle contusion. Oh, by the way, would you sell Matt Bush in a keeper league or a dynasty league because you know he's going to lose the job by by May 2018? Because Rangers relievers just lose the job? Is that what you're getting at? Exactly. Yeah, I would try to go trade him for a package like a Jose DeLeon and a Tyler O'Neill. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I bet a lot of people would. That's what he did uh, in the Dynasty League. He traded me. Who was it? Edwin Diaz. Yeah, that was, that's ah, his name. There you but go. Edwin Diaz is back in the role and looks like he's going to close for a long time. I think Matt Bush is a much more talented pitcher than either Sam Dyson or I can't even think of the guy. What was the guy's name two uh, years ago? Tolleson. Sean yeah. Tolleson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Mabin's on the DL with an oblique muscle contusion. Should just be a 10-day minimum stay. Same with, it could be for Pedroia, a 10-day minimum stay. Brandon McCarthy left with a blister, of course. Jesse Hahn could rejoin the A's rotation next week. Do you guys think Eric Sogard is going to take playing time away from Jonathan VR or Orlando Arcia? He, he already is. He hasn't played much recently though, right? Uh, he's, I think he started like, I don't know, two, three games in a row, three out of four, something like that. He, I don't think he's going to take a starting job away from either one of them. But, like, Jonathan VR has been one of the ten worst non-pitchers in baseball this year. He's been terrible in almost every way. So, I, I don't think he's gonna necessarily play six days a week if something doesn't turn around really quick. We're a third of the way through the season. So, Sogard has started two games in a row. He's started three of the last eight. Eight? Okay. Eight. Yeah. He's not a very good hitter, even though he's raking right now. No. Yeah. Uh, Danny Salazar pitched a scoreless inning out of the bullpen. Alex Wood's injury may be more severe than the Dodgers thought. Do you think we should add Hyunjin Ryu? He looked really good against the uh, Cardinals on Wednesday. No. He's not going to have a job, right? Because uh, um, Alex they're... Wood. Right. Well, but his injury is more severe than they thought. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, I don't think he was Sorry. listening to you, Adam. I was, I was double checking my, my, I was making sure it really was eight games for Sogard. Okay. Sorry. Yes. Yet Jin Ryu is going to have a job sporadically and he'll have a couple of good outings, but he's not somebody that needs to be owned. Like, unless you find out he's starting next week and he has a good matchup, sure. But I'm not starting him against anybody that's halfway decent offensively. Okay. Hey Scott, have you heard the one about Alex Wood and his injury being more severe than they thought? I mean, that's that's really depressing, right? Wood had emerged as a top thirty fantasy pitcher. Yeah. Do you think we should add Yunjin Ryu just <laughs> in case? He's not going to pitch, Heath. Now listen, uh, that actually happens a lot. I miss a lot of things that get said because we're always looking stuff up. So let's not pick on Scott. I I am probably the worst. Let's not that, <laughs> let's not pick on Scott. Scott now has immunity. I, I have, this. right, yeah. No, my, everyone I, else gets picked on. I am uh, emotionally fragile. You have to tiptoe around me, Heath. Scott is the last one that, to curse on the podcast. Now he did it without even realizing he did it, but he gave us just a tremendous moment. On yeah, what, when I heard about it. It was great. Is, is that considered a curse, technically? The shark heard around the world. Uh, well, I guess I guess it's not, because we just said it again. Um, Derivative of one, but so is darn it. Darn it? <laughs> no, darn it doesn't have a curse word in it. Uh, it has okay. two letters, just like well, so is the shoot. other. Shoot? Yeah. yeah. Why? Pretty- is sh- is shoot a combination of two words, one of them being a curse word? Shoot is just one word. You just change the vowel sound. Yeah, but the word you said is a combination of two words with one of them being a curse word. It is a clear 
uh, combination of of a bad word and a, and a non bad word. Um, okay, I don't know that it's different. I, I was I was genuinely asking. I don't know if it's considered a curse word. It's or not. not a curse word at all. <laughs> okay, come <laughs> on. Um, all right, and Greg Bird is going to begin a rehab assignment. Uh, I think today. Oh no, he began it. So good for him. Are, are they going to rehabilitate his swing? I, look, man, he was really injured. He was really injured. So it's if first base weren't so freaking good, <laughs> I'd be pretty excited about Greg Bird coming back. But it's pr- really freaking good. No. Yeah. Now let's let's uh, let's make sure everybody owns Justin Bohr first. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um. All right then, Scott. You want to give us real quick five prospects we need to stash? Not really, but I will. I will. Uh, Yohan Moncada is back playing for the White Sox. I don't know. It, it's either going to take improving he's past this thumb injury or they're just waiting for some magical date in late June when they don't think Super 2 is going to become an issue down the road. Probably the latter. I don't know that he – unless he falls into a slump here in the next couple weeks, I don't know that anything's going to stop Moncada from getting called up. Uh, still like Ahmed Rosario – Still feel like that could happen any day now. The Azrubal Cabrera just almost cost the Mets a game with his bad defense on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and Ahmed Rosario is hitting like 350 at AAA. Still like Reese Hoskins. Really hoping the Phillies throw either him or Joseph in left field here soon, so there's some kind of avenue for him. Just the fact that he's 24 years old, though, I mean, it has to happen at some point. Or, or trade. Or he's just one of those guys that crushes AAA at 24 and 25 years old and doesn't become a major leaguer. Uh, but so, he's getting actual prospect type. Most of the times when that happens, it's it's a player everybody knows, okay, well, he's putting up good numbers, but he's not really a prospect. Well, that's kind of what he was up until this year, though, right? Yeah, but that's changing. All right. Reese Hoskins. I mean, he's... This, this isn't, this isn't, uh, Kila Kaihui? Sure, that is, this isn't, that's a perfect example. This isn't one of those situations. Like, okay. Um, and, and Scott, I mean, there is, I, and I don't really take, I don't really enjoy saying this, but there really is a lot of hype around super stud prospect Glaber Torres, who is in the organization of the first place New York Yankees who just so happened to have won twenty seven world championships, which is the most <laughs> in baseball. I, I didn't I didn't enjoy that guys, but Glaber Torres really is uh the next name I was about to say. He's, yeah. he's fourth in terms of priority to stashing. Right. And and because there was a report yesterday morning that the Yankees are grooming him to replace Chase Headley this year. Duh if- I reported that last week. That was obvious. It, it was kind of, it was kind of confirming what we already all suspected. But now there's a team source behind it. I broke that news. Uh, <laughs> it still does. Like we still don't know the timetable. Glaber Torres is sitting like 200 at AAA so far. But yeah. just the fact that he's probably the number two prospect in baseball behind Moncada, and he's getting this much buzz, he's obviously needs to be stashed. And then Chris Shaw, who I mentioned last week. He's played nothing but left field at AAA, so the Giants are trying to work him into the lineup, it seems, even though he's a natural first baseman. Left-handed hitter, so you worry about how the power will translate at that park, but uh, deeper leagues need to pay attention to Chris Shaw. I, you know, Scott's bias against Yankees prospect Glebar Torres what? made me think about— Bias against him? Did you see the Twitter trivia I did yesterday about baseball's bias against Yankees pitchers? No. In what way did I come across this bias against Torres? Was were you looking this up and not listening to what I'm saying? <laughs> Adam had to mention his name for you to even bring him up. Like we're talking about <laughs> Reese next, Hoskins. He was next Kia, up. Reese Kayahue no, is no right players, ahead of Glaybar Torres. No player's minor league performance this year has excited me more than Reese Hoskins. Yeah. Exactly. Glaybar Torres. Okay. Well he didn't really hit that well, that's the thing, and he's he's like twenty. He's really young. Yeah. Uh, do we? Do you have thirty seconds for this fantastic trivia question? Is it about the Yankees? One hundred percent. We have thirty minutes, Heath. Go for okay. it. Sixteen pitchers in baseball history have two hundred twenty-five wins, twenty-five hundred strikeouts, and an ERA plus of at least one fifteen. Thirteen of them are in the Hall of Fame. The only three that aren't pitched for the Yankees. Hmm. Wow. I I could not like Gidry. 
That's a terrible guess. I don't. I'm, I'm just. Oh, Pettit. Like Pettit's fan. All right. Well, I'm, while I'm thinking it over, can you explain the terms again? Pettit, Sabathia. Okay, Sabathia is correct. Oh. Pettit was 48 strikeouts short. Oh, okay. 225 wins, 2,500 strikeouts, and an ERA plus of at least 115, and not okay. in the Hall of Fame. Mike Mike Mussina's obvious, Mike right? Mussina oh, is I, David Cohn. No. Why did I think you said lefties? Nope. Oh, okay. I, I'm sorry. So, uh. Yankees pitcher left. Clemens. Clemens. Roger Clemens. Yeah. Okay. Why does baseball hate the Yankees. Well guys, Sabathia's, Sabathia's kind of interesting. Uh, he's, he's Wainwrighty, you know, he's putting together a nice run. He's 4-0 in his last four starts with a, uh, 148 ERA, six walks, 26 strikeouts, and 24 and a third. Not really getting a lot of swinging strikes though. And he had faced the Royals, the Rays, the A's, so you could just chalk it up to matchups, but last night Sabathia dominated the the Blue Jays. This is maybe his best start. Um, so he's forty eight percent owned. Any interest in CC Sabathia? Nope. In a Adam Wainwright kind of way. He's below, I think, every starting pitcher for me that we've talked about so far today. Is he? I would, go ahead. I would take Wainwright over him, but. There's at least some strikeouts to back up this hot streak for Sabathia, and there's, a, I think, a clearer reason for it. He's really emphasized the use of his cutter, really all of his secondary pitches during this four-start run. Now, maybe that little trick will wear off and he'll go back to getting shelled, but I don't think he's useless. And he did what Wainwright did last year. He had a really good stretch, and and I think he's in it. Uh, would, but would you prefer, like, Denelson Lamette over those guys? Over Sabathia for sure. Over all of them, I would say, including Chase Anderson. Lamette is 61% owned. He's a two-star pitcher next week. This is oh, yeah. this might be your last chance here. It's yep. at Arizona, home against Kansas City. Um, Sabathia or Godley? Godley. Um, uh, maybe Sabathia. At least he's still in the major leagues. What Godley? Uh, pretty sure Zach Godley got sitting down to Triple A. What? To limit his innings? Wow. Breaking news. See, I told you he sucked. He is correct. He did get sent down. Uh, he should be back in 10 days, according to Roto World. Okay. Interesting. Zach Godley. How about that? No respect. All right, guys. Uh, sorry, I'll, let's move it along here and talk about some more from yesterday, including my horrible showing in the draft app. I was challenged by several listeners. I played against two of them. I lost both. I did have Zach Greinke in my draft lineup, so that was good. And I thought I was going to win. I was ready to brag about it, but no, I lost. And if you want to play against me, that seems like an easy way to make some money. My username is BigCane2. Download the draft app. Enter the promo code FB today. That's FB today to get a 100% bonus on up to 600 bucks when you deposit. That's an awesome deal, FB today. Look, draft is awesome, so here's how it works. You don't have to compete against just one person. You can play up to 10-person draft. You do a snake draft. There's like 30 seconds on the clock. It's really quick. It doesn't take much time. It's very simple to get into. And then you compete, and you see if you win every single day you're drafting. That is awesome. And your chances of winning money on draft are almost three times better than your chances of winning on FanDuel or DraftKings. So search for draft in the App Store. It will come up first. Download it. Use our offer code FB today. When you download, you will get a 100% bonus on up to 600 bucks when you deposit. That promo code is FB today. Okay, let's skip around here. Uh, are you worried at all about Eduardo Rodriguez, who tumbled in the bullpen before the start, said it did not affect his lousy, lousy effort? Um, and Marco Strada, who I, I think this, like, when his... When he's not right, you know, like he gets crushed. This is four starts now, allowing five or more runs for Estrada. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, are you worried at all long term about Rodriguez and Estrada, or just a little blip on the radar? I'd say it's a blip for both. Maybe a little, the more concerning of the two is um, is Eduardo Rodriguez because he allowed four home runs in this game. It basically doubled his season total, but now he's back to where he was last year in terms of home run per nine. And pretty extreme fly ball pitcher. It's it's something I hadn't really noticed until this start, but he's been kind of lucky not to have allowed more home runs to this point. I, I still think he's good. I still think he's a top 40 pitcher. I, the strikeouts um, are enough for that. But he's 
he probably has uh, a little bit of re- well, maybe this corrected it. Maybe this start getting him back to a 3.50 ERA was all the correction he needed. But 3.50 may be truer, his truer self. Oh yeah, I, I think somewhere between his 3.54 ERA and his 3.95 FIP is probably where he belongs. Uh, listen, I didn't get quite as excited about Rodriguez as you guys did, but you were right before I was on him. At one four dong night doesn't change anything. Yeah, and may, maybe the spill in the bullpen affected him a little bit, but Orioles. Uh, that- he does have a history of knee issues, so, I mean, it, it is something to keep monitoring, even though he says he's fine. All right. And uh, Gary Sanchez and Cole Calhoun double-donged yesterday. How about that? Yeah, and I think Gary Sanchez's is, uh, it was some kind of exit velocity threshold that only he and Stanton have reached in a two-homer game. I did not see that stuff. Oh, he crushed those balls. They were really hard hit. All right, let me, let me put Gary Sanchez in perspective because before last night, it really didn't feel like he was having a great year. But here's what you need to know. So now after the two-homer night, since coming off the DL on, uh, March, May 5th, excuse me, May 5th, Gary Sanchez is now the number two catcher in points, number one in roto, since coming off the DL. Um, Posey's ahead of him in points because better plate discipline. But before the two-homer night, where did Gary Sanchez rank? Fourth best catcher since coming off the DL in points in roto. And that was with a two ninety three batting average, three home runs, and 10 RBIs. So that was almost a month. That was May 5th through the end of May. No catcher had hit more than five homers. If you're going to make a trade... Like trading for Posey or Sanchez, I'd be willing to overpay guys. Like I, I would love to overpay with an outfielder for one of those two catchers. I'm not sure. I, I think we probably should still keep Lucroy there, but you tell me. But it's yeah. just it's such a dreadful position. And Posey, Sanchez, and you tell me Lucroy, yes or no, could really, really stand out above the rest. Yeah. I still see it as a trifecta at the mm-hmm. top and and can probably underpay for Lucroy. So, right. I yeah. mean, I get your overall point, but if you're going to trade for one of those catchers, it seems like Lucroy is the one to target. There's another buy low for you. All right. Uh, looks like uh, Team Kreeth is back as Heath has taken Chris's coughing spit uh, spills and fits and uh, put it on the podcast today. Thank you, Heath. You all right? I care about your health. Are you okay? Yeah. Don't make fun of Scott. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one dishing it out, Heath. Don't nah. dish it out if you can't take it. That was great. Take the heat, stay out of the kitchen, right? Guys, any interest in Wade Miley, Jeff Locke, Adalberto Mejia, Alex Meyer? I know Miley is better than those guys, but just in general, like, are you looking to pick up Miley, Locke, Mejia, uh, Meyer? I don't know that Miley's better than them. No, I, he's... He's frustrating. I, I'd be interested in these guys pitching like the bad pitchers they are so I could stop pretending like we have to care about them. <laughs> How's that? Okay. Uh, Alex Meyer's kind of interesting because he throws 97 and has not really taken off because he's, his uh, control is so bad. But I don't know. He, he made some kind of adjustment that was supposed to help with that. And only walked two and six innings in this start. Obviously a long way to go, but for a 7% owned guy, he's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yes. I, I think Meyer is the one that has the chance to actually possibly be someone that I'm interested in, mm-hmm. but he's probably a ways down the list if, if you have to start one of these guys next week. Okay. So in order to get to some emails later in the show, let's take a look at the two star pitchers for fantasy week 10. Really? Yes. Wow. That's right. Okay. Uh, are there any at Colorado's here as I scan? I don't see any at Colorado's. Are they on the road all week, Scott? Do you know? I can find out. They are not. They have two games oh. at home. Okay. So some Indians pitcher is going to be at Colorado. They'll probably give Danny Salazar a spot in the rotation back just to go pitch a course. <laughs> <laughs> uh keep an eye on that. Uh all right guys, so we're going to start this we're going to start the studs. Obviously, Gio Gonzalez, you know, at the Dodgers home against Texas. Two starts. Start. What do you think? Start him. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you start him in Roto. Like he's not good. He he's a whip, whip killer. Yeah. He is a whip killer. Whip's only one category. Wins are also a category. He's an ERA killer. I, I would be that. more likely there than not to start him in Roto right now. All right. But if 
you know, if you're doing great in wins and strikeouts and, and need whip help, then obviously you might not. Right. Gio Gonzalez. Okay. Tough calls. You tell me. Jose Quintana at Tampa Bay at Cleveland. Masahiro Tanaka home against Boston, home against Baltimore. Tanaka's the tougher of the two, I think, but I'd, I'd probably start both. Yeah, just thinking of the, the real, the realistic situation there, if you've got those guys on your roster, I, I really have a hard time believing you have another starting pitcher that you want to start over them, but we may get to one down the list that I would. Okay. Back I'd start Steele Gonzalez over both of them. Okay. Uh, Wainwright, we talked about at Cincinnati, home against Philadelphia. Probably worth it, right? 100%. Senzatella, Cleveland at home, Cubs on the road. Gosh. So he has a Coors Field start and then at the Cubs. But the Cubs aren't any good anymore. No, they're, they're still good. They're good at home. Just because they haven't been good doesn't mean they aren't good. Um, in a points league, I could see starting Senzatella. I wouldn't be excited about it. Yep, points. Okay. Uh, let's see. Everybody else here looks. Oh, how about Aaron Nola at Atlanta, Coors Field of the South, and at St. Louis, Aaron Nola. <laughs> Coors Field of the South. Um, you know, Atlanta had the highest elevation before the Rockies came along of any major league stadium. It really? Fun fact. Coors Field did not know that at all. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of true. Um, what am I? What was I going to say? Nola. I'm Nola. Sorry. We're talking about Nola. You're starting him. No. Yeah, Why? Boy. Why oh. are we starting Aaron Nola? He's been nothing but bad, and he's got two starts. At, like, like Atlanta stinks, but at Atlanta and at St. Louis, like, why are we starting him? Right. Atlanta salvages it, and uh, just for the that's why I, that's why I'm saying only points. Maybe he should explain himself. Well, I'm definitely starting him in points. Roto, it depends on what I need. I, and maybe I'm again. We've talked about this multiple times. Almost all of my roto leagues, I'm towards the top in ERA and WHIP, and trying to find wins in case. So I'm probably a little bit more relaxed in my standards for a roto roto pitcher, but it really depends on where you're at. All right, uh, okay, guys. So he's let's kind of up for FIP. He's not awful. Let's take a look at. Uh, oh, don't get me started on FIP pitchers that are available. Starting with Dan Straley, who's seventy percent owned, but then working our way down to. Guys who are owned in fewer leagues than that. Australia's got two starts. Chase Anderson, Denelson Lamette, Junior Guerra, Kevin Gosman, Jaime Garcia, Ian Kennedy with uh, one of those starts being at San Diego. It's really not a bad list if you're in a league with some pitching depth on the waiver wire. Um, Dan Straley, Chase Anderson, Denelson Lamette, Junior Guerra, Kevin Gossman, Jaime Garcia, Ian Kennedy. Like This is the, the best I can remember it being in a while, I think. Who do you guys like? Well, Dan Straley, I think, should start every two-star week. His um, He doesn't have the most exciting starts always, but his fly ball rate actually works in his favor, as we've seen the last couple years. I am buying that he's legitimately like a 250 BABIP guy, if not a little lower. And um, that makes him reliable and reliable always needs to start in a two-start week. Lamed, I think we can agree, is must-start, right? Uh, Yeah, like this week for sure. Okay. Anderson might be my third favorite of this group. I, think I mean, I'd, Kennedy does have that start at San Diego. I put Kennedy ahead of Anderson been, for sure. It's just it's hard to trust right There's now. There's no points league in which I'm not starting Ian Kennedy. Yeah, I guess you're right. So but. easy in points leagues, though. We should really frame it for Roto. Well, I mean, there's, I'm, I have questions over whether I'm starting Chase Anderson in a points league. Um, okay. Well, that's good to know. I have questions whether I'm picking him up. Alright. Um, there's questions whether you start Kennedy too. Like, I, I could see a scenario where you wouldn't start Kennedy in a points league. I mean. Your pitching staffs are clearly better than mine. <laughs> I, no, I, I, look, I've got my, in our podcast league, I'll, let's just okay. I don't really need to talk about my team, but next week, uh, I've got a two-start Nova, I've got a two-start Tanaka, I've got a two-start Degrom. Starting them over two-start uh, Kennedy, and then I've got Junior Guerra and Sean Manaya. They have two starts, so yeah. Like, have you guys haven't mentioned Junior Guerra? First of all, one of his starts is against San Francisco. The other's at Arizona. I I feel like he might be a little underappreciated. Junior Guerra, fifty-nine percent owned. What do you think? 
I don't disagree with that. I think he, uh, he definitely needs to be, definitely needs to be started and pretty much owned everywhere. Well, wait, really? Junior Guerra? So you'd start him over Anderson, Chase Anderson? Yes. Okay. Are you starting Eduardo Rodriguez at the Yankees? One start or a two start Chase Anderson, a two start Junior Guerra? Hmm. Hmm. I think I think I'd probably start Guerra. I don't like at the Yankees. At the Yankees scares me. Well, here's here's what we have to consider too, because in a roto league, absolutely not. I'm starting Erod. So this is this is strictly a points league discussion. Really? Because I I think I would start Junior Guerra, San Francisco at home, Diamondbacks on the road over Eduardo Rodriguez. Why, why do I believe in Junior Guerra and you guys don't? Because he doesn't doesn't strike people well, out. It sounds like I'm the only one who doesn't believe in him. Yeah, I just think he has a lot to prove. Uh, he had a lot to prove coming into the year, and then he missed all this time with an injury. And a re- couple respectable starts since returning, but nothing that's going to... But he's got two starts this week, I and mean, I'm not saying he's a must-start in a one-start week. Well, okay, he had a 281 ERA in 122 innings last year with a 1.13 whip. Just right. the walk-to-strikeout ratio isn't very good. I get that. Yeah, and but I, I don't know that we were fully buying what he did last year, and I don't know that two starts... That were not lights out. I mean, he was fine. I don't know that that's enough to erase those concerns. Like, but the the real issue here is with Kennedy, sixty percent owned. With Guerra, fifty nine percent owned. Yeah, if if I if my roster was like forty players deep, and I was rostering twelve pitchers, then I would start them over most of my one start options. Sure, but. And points leagues are usually dealing with a small roster, and who are you going to drop to pick up these guys? Is it worth sacrificing one of your few bench players who are all probably solid? I think it might be. I mean, if you're talking a shallow league where you've got plenty of hitters on the waiver wire, I wouldn't mind taking a chance on Junior Guerra. But if it's a tough call, him or one start Eduardo Rodriguez, if they were both on your roster, why not? Oh, I I wouldn't drop Eduardo Rodriguez for Junior Guerra. Would you drop Cody Bellinger to pick up any of these pitchers? Well, no. Who's dropping Cody Bellinger? Well, that's now? what I'm saying. That that might be the bottom player in a points league roster. It might be Gregory Polanco. Well, then maybe we should think outside the box, and maybe we should drop Cody Bellinger for a two-start guy. And I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, I don't think so. Well, if he's the worst player on your team, which I— well, Then you're on in an eight-team league or something. No, you're not. That... Okay, what about Avicel Garcia? Yes. Yes. Okay. Because like I, he is good, you know, and he even even if he's good, even if he's legit, like he's replaceable. He's an outfielder in a three outfielder league, that kind of league. You know, if, if Justin Bohr. Justin no. What no. about Eric Hosmer? Yes. Probably. Anybody who who has a chance to be a star, like Bohr or uh Bellinger, no. Anyone who I think is just like, you know, fine. Yeah, I'd drop for to stream a two star pitcher, just given how deep hitting is and how bad pitching is. And this is this is really dependent on the depth of your league, people. Like, it really matters. I, I'm thinking. Of, I'm honestly thinking of my own 12-team head-to-head roster. The kind of players I'd have to drop to squeeze an extra starting pitcher on my roster. Like all of the players I've named: Polanco, Garcia, Hosmer, Bohr. They're all on my roster. Bellinger, you, you, and they would all be among the more droppable hitters. And, and I have. your worst pitcher is Eduardo Rodriguez. No, you don't have the spot that you're normally picking up a two-star pitcher each week. I only have six starting pitchers in total, so no. Wow, why? That's like a very surprising strategy from you. It is. You try, get Hosmer off your team because there's a lot more hitters worth owning than pitchers worth owning. But not really, because we have to we have to adjust our standards for what's worth owning. Like, yeah, yeah. They're, they're better players, but you don't need them. Maybe I'm just having a hard time reconciling that mm-hmm. reality. Cut the cord. <sighs> All right, let's read emails. Let's read emails. Osmer or Kane, Lorenzo Kane could be some guy I drop. There you go. All right, let's read emails here. Um, we got. If you need more two-star pitcher advice, Scott's gonna rank them all for you. And we have great weekend content to help you out with with hitting pit, hitting matchups, pitching matchups, stuff like that. Go to cbssports.com/fantasy. You'll find it all. We're gonna go through this stuff really quickly here. Um, I had asked weeks ago who people thought would be the most fun person to hang out with in baseball. And Brandon McCarthy was someone that got nominated by the listeners, and he responded and said, trust me, I'm not that fun. So then I asked Brandon McCarthy, 
okay, so then who would it be? And he never responded. But Ray Knight, who now is a Nationals broadcaster, but was on the 86, he was on the 86 Mets, right? He, he was definitely on the Mets in the 80s. He responded, and that team knew fun, and Ray Knight said that Gary Carter and Roger McDowell were the most fun people to hang out with. So, there you go. I thought you'd be interested in that. I don't think this is a, a question that has a, a universal answer. Like, the most fun person for Heath to hang out with is probably not the most fun person for Scott to hang out That's with. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Alright, but I'm just saying, like, I would, you know, Gary Carter, Roger McDowell, those were good, those were good answers. Alright, um, Mendel wants to know, um, do I drop Michael Brantley for uh, a hot hand in a 10-team league? He has an empty 300 average and low counting stats, Michael Brantley. I'm not. I mean, it depends on who the hot hand is. Would you drop him for Junior Guerra? Obviously not. Okay. In a 10-team league. That's what we're telling me to drop Lorenzo Gain. Nah, yeah, not him. No one ever said that. <laughs> Actually. I would, I would drop I would drop Hosmer or Kane in a points league. I mean, Kane's valuable with the steals. I think we've stumbled onto a much more a much broader and more compelling discussion here. Yeah, I agree, and I've been thinking about it a lot because cause Michael Franco is that guy for me that I keep, like, do I just drop him already and pick up more pitchers? But yeah, I haven't gotten I think there. It, it partly becomes, maybe on that level, it becomes partly a matter of personal taste because I wouldn't even think twice about dropping Franco. I'd think twice about Hosmer. I mean, Hosmer, a couple years in a row, has been a top 50 hitter overall, right? Well, I would say that for, for Franco, it's like I'm doing well right now, although this week I started Tanaka, DeGrom, and Eduardo Rodriguez, so probably not going to win. But I think I'm on like a three or four game winning streak, so I haven't had to make that choice. But if I was like desperate for a win in that league, yeah, he'd be off my team and I, I probably would have picked up a two star pitcher or something. Uh, but yes, yeah, Scott, you're right. That's a more interesting discussion. We'll do it next week. Back to the okay. e, back to the emails. <laughs> uh, Justice has a team name suggestion. Michael Cafefe Forto. <laughs> it's terrific. Yeah. It's very good. Come on, Heath, you're not laughing? No. Oh, come on. Uh, from, oh, here's one about fing, about thumbs and fingers from Ford, a geometry teacher. Quad, squares and rectangles are all quadrilaterals. Oh, no, this is wrong. You're all, just wrong. It's not, it's, it's I, right. Stick to geometry. That's not the same thing as science. Oh, thumbs are not fingers. Yes, it's they are. Internet. Squares are rectangles, yes, but no, thumbs are not fingers. Thumbs are fingers. Um, are, no, they're not about? fingers. They're, they're digits. You have five digits, four fingers, one opposing thumb that has Two fingers have three. They're different. I'll so settle this right now. Four fingered animals. Is that what you're factual. telling me? Factual. Go to any type. Like all, the, all my life, I thought I had five fingers on each hand. Hey, go to Google right now and type in how many fingers do humans have. Just type that in and tell me what the answer is. I would. I would prefer to just type in is a thumb a finger. Fine. Because then you'll get the. Um, Oxford Dictionary, the more accurate description of a thumb is a, one of five digits rather than as a finger. Okay, this so does term. it say rather than as a finger? Yes. Jason says, someone offered me Danny Salazar for Tyson Ross. Do I take that? Give up Ross for Salazar? Yeah. Yep. So, uh, this is from Joel in Denver. Some crazy owner in my 12-team points league dropped Ryan Zimmerman. I'm pretty deep at first base, but would you break the bank? He's got Votto, Carpenter, Marwin Gonzalez, Logan Morrison. Would you break the bank for Ryan Zimmerman? Um, how much fab should I use? 30%. All right. Uh, should, this is from Kevin. I want uh, Junior Guerra. Should I drop Sonny Gray, Joe Ross, or Alex Cobb for Junior Guerra? Um... I want to drop in. I, I'd be willing, like, if you wanted to get the extra two-start pitcher in there, I'd be willing to drop Cobb for him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Hans in Miami says, you guys often say he should be owned everywhere. What exactly does that mean? Should he be 100% owned? Should he be owned in X, percent, X amount of leagues? Like, he should I, be owned everywhere. I mean, like, sometimes we throw around ownership percentage, and I feel like it's something that, it, it's it's a stat that helps us internally to gauge what perception is of a player, but for the most part, like, you knowing that, I'm, I'm not really sure how it benefits you. I'm just saying, if he's available in your league, you need to pick him up. That's all it means for me. All right. Jared thinks that instead of the thoriometer yesterday, we should have done the thermo start, which I think would have been pretty cool. Leo has a team name. He says, the Springer of George. Very good. 
Lou in Connecticut says, uh, is anyone here in a head-to-head categories league worth dropping to pick up John Gray? Tulowitzki or VR? Joe Ross, Rich Hill, Andrew Triggs, Mike Moustakas, Aaron Hicks for John Gray. Tulo, VR, Joe Ross, Rich Hill, Triggs, Moustakas, Aaron Hicks. Uh, probably um, Triggs. I mean, Hicks is fine. Triggs is fine, sure. But I, I'd probably put Hicks or Moustakas ahead of Triggs, but any of those three. I mean, I think I'd rather own John Gray than Joe Ross, too, if it really came down to it, but fortunately it doesn't in this case. I'm going to tell you there's going to be some talk about uh, Aaron Hicks getting everyday at-bats now. Yeah. There's been some talk about that from you for the last month. <laughs> no, I never really thought he would, but now they're he's... Paying, they're paying Ellsbury so much money, though, and he hasn't been bad. He's actually had kind of a bounce-back year. Yeah, I feel like that's that's trailed off, but I'm not 100% sure. We'll see. He'll be back pretty soon. Dave from Burlington wants to know when he should pick up Starling Marte. Okay, when? When? How deep are we into the suspension now? That was like mid-April, right? I think he's halfway through. Really? Already? Time flies. Probably. We're having fun. Probably now. Yeah, if you've got, like, who's your worst player? But probably now. Yeah, like, I don't think I'd drop Eric Hosmer for him. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, for Scott and Heath, I'm Adam. Plenty of great content on the website, cbsports.com slash fantasy. We'll help you out with two-star pitchers with hitters for Fantasy Week 10. Have a great weekend, everybody, and we'll talk to you on Monday.